For Delaware State of the Arts, I'm Andy Truscott. My guest today is Doug Poor, the curator with the Greater Harrington Historical Society. We'll be talking today about their Crossroads Change in Rural America exhibit. Founded in May 1977, the Greater Harrington Historical Society is one of the oldest in Delaware. From their humble beginnings, they have grown to now include three museum locations and house over 50,000 artifacts, some dating back to the early 1700s. Crossroads, Change in Rural America, offers small towns a chance to look at their own paths to highlight the changes that affected their fortunes over the past century. The exhibition will prompt discussions about what happened when America's rural population became a minority of the country's population and the ripple effects that occurred. Doug, thank you so much for joining me. How are you? I'm good, sir. Andy, how are you this morning? I'm doing great. I'm curious if you can kick us off and tell us a little bit about how the Historical Society was founded and why it's such an important cultural asset for uh, Harrington and the state. It's founding actually pretty much ties right into this whole rural uh, America crossroads exhibit. It was founded in a coffee shop in May of 1977. Uh, the mayor at the time thought, you know, we need to start preserving our heritage and a group of folks having morning coffee and breakfast agreed. Uh, so they began working on it. And by September of that year, they had formed uh, and created a 501c3, started gathering artifacts. Their first museum was in a corner office as part of an insurance business that one of the two of the founding members uh, worked at, and that's where we started. And we have grown tremendously from there. It's importance to the state. I tell everybody that I meet today, whether it's one-on-one -on -one or at conferences, whatever, opportunities like this, you need to gather your history. You don't really know what you don't know. Uh, I've lived here all my life, and some of the stories and things I've learned having been a curator have just amazed me. Uh, things like we have a gentleman who lived outside of town with an eighth grade education that ended up being one of the four planners of the glider borne operation of D-Day. You're talking a town, that little crossroads town may have 70 people in it. Our whole community, you know, 5,000. And yet there's somebody that played a pivotal role in our world's events, not just locally, state, but even global history exists in your small town. When we look at the historical society as a as a whole, we're not just looking at uh, information, history, or artifacts. We're also looking at landmarks. And so, can you share a little bit about the landmarks that this historical society cares for? Our first landmark uh, is an 1875 Episcopal church, former Episcopal church. It's the oldest building in town uh, that still exists. It was founded by Reverend Lighton McKim, and he has a unique place in architectural history, not him, but his family. His first cousin is the founder of uh, McKim Medium White, which is an uh, architectural firm out of New York City that did little things like the east and west wing of the White House, <laughs> major train stations. So to have our little church designed by such a firm uh, certainly uh, is a huge plus. It's a great chance to see that kind of architectural history. Um, but it's such a small little quaint church, and we have preserved it uh, it no longer obviously is a church, it's the museum, but uh, and was placed on the National Registry of Historic Places. But to have that, uh, right down to the architectural detail of, of two fishes and a loaf of bread on the door handles, it is such a, a wonderful uh, artifact. It is an artifact. It certainly is, even though it's a building. It is an artifact for us. Then the other building we have is a 1920, well, you can call two of them buildings. 
1925 train station. It's a block, it's called a block tower. It ran the yard here in Harrington uh, for decades. It closed in the early 80s. It was the hub of activity, and hence the name Harrington had for a while is the hub of Delaware, for the freight that went north and south. At times, there would be 10 freight trains a day and four passenger trains a day that passed through our town. And with that, that tower played a pivotal role in how those trains stayed on time, how they were put together, how freight came in and left. And that tower is the only one on Delmarva that you can tour and get a sense of that history. And the caboose next to it, eh, while it's not a building, uh, we just uh, had a $100,000 remodel, thanks to the folks at Crystal Trust, a wonderful grant. We remodeled that entire caboose. And it, as somebody said, did you get a new one? Because it looks that brand new and shiny. Um, and we're thrilled with that opportunity. And it is one of the few, again, on Delmarva that you can tour. It's restored inside to what it looked like in the 50s. And you can get a sense of how those men worked, because that was their office. That was their rolling office and their rolling kitchen, everything uh, for the railroad back in those days. I noticed as I'm on the website, uh, thanks to a gift from Delaware Humanities, you all have been able to digitize a lot of the Harrington journals from back in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. I'm assuming those were the daily newspapers of the day back in the town? It was a weekly newspaper, and that's correct. Um, we have every week of those years that you just quoted on the website till 19, I believe it's 67. And thanks to a recent second grant from Delaware Humanities of another 18,000, we will be able to get all of the editions through 1988 Great. Uh, put online. And it, they are just fascinating to read. For example, I learned by reading them, my house in town, I own a very old home in town, was the first one to get electricity. I'm like, hey, cool. Uh, <laughs> and it's, you know, Aunt so-and-so visited this somebody and it was a somebody had chicken pox and it is truly while they're great for genealogy they're great for stories it's a real glimpse again tying into the Smithsonian exhibit of how not just Harrington but they had reporters in literally all those little tiny crossroad towns that existed in and around Kent County and it's wonderful to read those stories. As we reopen Crossroads Change in Rural America uh, the Harrington Cultural and Historical Society is the first site on it. Talk to us. That must be exciting. Is there a, a reason or a, a method behind why it starts with you all? Or is that just kind of how the calendar worked out? Actually, it didn't start with us. It started down in Ocean View, Delaware. Um, oh, great. Delaware. But we're the second site. And it's just how it worked out. Well, we were given the opportunity. We've already spoken about Delaware Humanities. And I, I cannot say enough positive about the organization. They are a wonderful partner. They held this former paramedic's hands because I had no clue how to write a grant. They have held my hand as I began that process and encouraged our organization every step of the way. So when this opportunity came up, they said, are you interested? And I'm like, of course, who wouldn't be interested in, in their community hosting an exhibit put together by the Smithsonian? So we were offered, okay, what dates do you want? And we picked these as our best dates and that's what we got. Uh, and we're thrilled to have it here in the community, uh, especially during the holiday season. Can you talk uh, about what Crossroads is? And so if, if I was a patron showing up to the exhibit, what can I ex expect to see when I walk in through the door? Crossroads uh, looks all the way back to the 1500s and how the land was used by the uh, indigenous people that were here at the time, the Native Americans. Of course, in our area, that would be the Lenni Lenape and the Nanakoke uh, tribes, uh, which still have a presence here today. And it takes you from there through how the land was 
whether it was acquired through barter, trade, agreements, or forced. Fortunately, around here, it was more of the barter and trade uh, agreements that were done through William Penn, et cetera. And it takes you from there to how colonial Americans used the land, how we used it uh, for, through areas like the Dust Bowl, but it takes you a, on a journey across all of America. So it doesn't just say, oh, it's about Delaware or it's about this local local area. It takes you across America in looking at the depression and how that affected rural America, how change has affected rural America, certainly. Um, no better ex really uh, look at it than how the railroad grew Delaware and all of Delmarva and then how it shrank as a result of that going away. This is a an exhibit with the Smithsonian Institute. Um, it was, I'm assuming, curated by them and then goes on the road uh, do was Greater Harrington part of gathering the information together of what this kind of Main Street traveling looked like? Does it encompass images from Harrington or is this Main Street USA? Are we looking at Main Streets from across the, the country? It's Main Street USA, but the Smithsonian encourages each place that hosts this to also highlight what your organization is. And that's exactly what we've done. While the exhibit sits in a piece of our museum, all around it are the artifacts, the history of the local area. So we encourage people, don't just come in expecting to see just that crossroads exhibit, but spend some time, you know, set aside an hour too. Um, heck, we've got so many artifacts, I can set you aside days <laughs> if you want to join us for that long um, and see what that community is. And that's what's nice about the exhibit is it ties the two together is it talks about the people and the industries that have come and gone. In Crossroads, you can look right across our museum and see those same artifacts that do tell the local history. So it is a unique opportunity. I want to take a minute here just to remind our listeners that you're tuned into News Radio 1450 WILM and 1410 WDOV for Delaware State of the Arts. I see that the Historical Society is also in the middle of a $3 million capital campaign to expand your current footprint. As you are running out of space to house all of these historical and important artifacts, how is that campaign going and how can uh, our listeners help make sure that you hit your goal? Call your local politician <laughs> is my answer to it. Obviously, communities like ours, there's no way to raise that kind of capital. $3 million is is a lot even for larger Wilmington, Newark, et cetera. For smaller Kenton, Sussex County organizations, it's just an impossible reach without the assistance of state and federal partners. And that's why we have reached out during Crossroads to some of our local politicians. We had a soft opening last Friday on the 18th of November and invited those politicians to come in to see what we do, to see the impact the history makes on our communities and to then take that and use that educational program uh, to work with them to get that uh, funding going. We are out of room. That We are beyond out of room. To put Crossroads in our museum, we had to take out 800 square feet of exhibit. Don't look in my front bedroom right now because it's piled full because <laughs> we don't even have room to store what we took down. Um, it, is, it is truly we are out of space. And of course, our mission is to preserve and present that history. Well, we can't meet our own mission unless we expand because we physically are at that point of, I don't know where I would put the next piece of paper. 
and when you accept these artifacts, some of them have to be treated and preserved. Some of them have to be maintained. Everything has to be maintained at a certain temperature, certain humidity. So you just can't stick it in that unheated attic on a shelf and walk away from it. Those artifacts just cannot tolerate a lot of them, that kind of, of existence. So in us, for us to be good stewards as to what we're doing and what our mission and goals are, we need that expansion project. To- for some, as you hear the word artifact, you know, we're thinking ancient Egypt and, you know, we're, we're thinking hieroglyphics. Um, talk to us about what uh, in modern day, you know, the 20th century, what artifacts and specifically Delaware artifacts look like? What can uh, our listeners expect to see if they come in and look through some of the artifacts that are there? It runs the gamut from a little matchbook that would have advertised a restaurant back in its day all the way up to a 1924 horse-drawn hearse that you can see in our museum that was donated by a local funeral home to a soda fountain where we, on special events, we got that reworking. You can get an old-fashioned jerk soda, root beer float, play a game of pinball, listen to rock and roll that was created in the town of Harrington. We actually are the home of the first rockabilly uh, record production company in the state, and they produced over 100 records, and we have 30 of them loaded on a jukebox. You can come in and really relive that 1950s, 60s vibe in that area of our museum. So it runs that gamut. We have the history of the gentleman I talked about with D-Day. Uh, his family donated those artifacts. We have our local high school's artifacts. So it really pictures, items. It runs that whole list uh, of everything you can imagine genealogical files, photos, uh, a lot of which we are digitizing. We have over 100 hours of, and that's my latest project, uh, audio recordings, oral histories from citizens of the community, especially our African-American community that we are in the process of beginning to digitize. uh, And so people can hear those. Um, So that's a, again, it, it just, everything you can imagine probably plus one or two things. Is the Historical Society interested in receiving listeners, potential, you know, artifacts that they either find in their houses, find in their loved ones' houses, or is the stuff that you curate and save, uh, stuff that you guys go out and find and make sure that it's of interest to you? I That's one of my favorite things to say is I never know what's coming through the door next. I get stuff mailed to me, dropped off at the museum. We want all those artifacts especially during COVID, a lot of people took that time to clean the attic, clean the basement, clean the bedroom closet. And we got a lot of great artifacts because that is our mission. Our mission is to collect those, to preserve them, to present them. And if it has anything to do with our area, we will take it. If it's another area, we exchange items through uh, other historical societies in the area, Milton, Milford, uh, over in Maryland, Greensboro, Denton, we will exchange artifacts. So if you have something and don't know who to give it to, Bring it to us. We will find its home. Um, but we, you know, we don't want that artifact just thrown in the trash. My thing is don't throw it in a dumpster. If you aren't sure, bring it to us and we'll gladly evaluate it, look at it. If we can't use it, we will see if it does have a proper home for it to go to. Are there any specific artifacts that you guys have been kind of craving to see? For instance, like, is there a hole within the exhibit that you're like, God, I really wish we had this one piece of, of history? Yes. And I know where it is. That's the best part about it. Uh, and the family still uses or use, owns it and they're proud of it. And I, and I get it. But 
back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, we had a little park here in town, and we called it the Disneyland of Harrington. It's called Wheeler's Park. They had a little train that ran on a track. It was uh, powered by basically a lawnmower engine. Uh, and as a kid that grew up in that place for 10 cents, you rode that thing. And the louder you yelled, the more times Mr. Wheeler would go around the, <laughs> the train track. Uh, we would obviously, you know, the family still owns it, and, and that's great. But if that opportunity ever came up, we would love to have that artifact at the museum because it just would add. Everybody comes and asks us about, well, that's a very popular thing is Wheeler's Park. And a lot of kids, the family that now owns the property has reopened it as a green space. It's not a the park that it once was but they have picnic tables they have uh, a path you can walk so it just generates so much interest and so many memories for so many people that yeah if i ever had a chance to get my hands on an artifact it would be that one <laughs> as you think through the historical society's place culturally within the greater harrington area is there a moment that you think you're extremely proud of in how it's partnered either with city government or local organizations to really bring out the cultural history of the area i'm proud of the people that founded it as i my favorite statement is i stand on the shoulders of some very industrious people who took this on i mean when they started they had nothing uh, but an idea now we have over seventy thousand artifacts that i get to proudly tout uh, we've written two books on the city of harrington three more on the railroads of Delmarva. All of that would not be possible without those folks that founded this organization. I, I, I say that I'm just the latest steward. There will be somebody after me that will be the next steward. And I need to leave those artifacts in, in great shape for them, hence the, the, the expansion project, et cetera. The, we have done a Memorial Day parade recently that has become a great thing for the community to look back at our veterans. We are promoting and getting ready for, as a matter of fact, we now help oversee eight cemeteries in the area that does the Wreath Across America project, which looks to place wreaths on our veterans' graves. Our citizens, our local folks, raised enough funds this year for over, almost 1,900 wreaths. Every veteran that we know of in those cemeteries will receive a memorial uh, for the holiday season of a wreath, all the way back to those from the revolution. And that's that's, truly humbling to stand and watch our citizens sponsor those things and then come out on December 17th at 12 o'clock at those cemeteries and place them to watch kids come out. Lake Forest South Elementary, I went out and did a presentation to their school. Their kids, first through fourth grade, I believe it is, raised enough money for 40 degrees by just bringing change in from home. And that's just awesome to think, you know, we're right back to that whole crossroads, small town America, rallying around to remember those folks that gave us those freedoms and that's just amazing are there opportunities for the general public to volunteer with the historical society please 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 i don't know how many times i can say it but yes um we are always looking for members we would love to be open seven days a week i know that's not possible um but we would love to be open more uh, because that just gives more opportunity for people to come and, and spend time with us to look at our artifacts research genealogy has become a huge Part, people want to know their past and we have filing cabinet drawers full of genealogical artifacts that uh, we need to preserve to make more available uh, and those kinds of opportunities exist even if you just want to come sit in there and talk to people do it we would we all the volunteers are the better
And for those that might want to learn more about where to learn information about volunteering or any of your upcoming events, uh, how can they get in contact with you? Where can they go to learn more? We have a website. Uh, it's uh, ghhsociety.org. Facebook, uh, we put all of our events, all of our information on Facebook. You can call a museum, leave a message. You can email us at info at ghhsociety.org. You can do a membership form online. You know, we'll gladly get back with you to arrange a tour. If your group wants to come see this exhibit, we are here to serve the public. That is our role. As we uh, wrap up here just a little bit, are there any other upcoming events that you are really excited about and would love listeners to learn more about? We, as you asked earlier about being a partner in the community, we are hosting Santa Claus at our caboose on Tuesday and Thursday nights, beginning December 6th from 630 to 8. We are in the early stages of creating what I hope will be a wonderful um, Black History Month exhibit in our museum. We just reached out yesterday uh, to several African-American leaders, both locally in our community and here in the county, because when Crossroads leaves us, it's really at the end of January, and I've got that open space. Before I put our artifacts back, it would be a wonderful opportunity to fill that space uh, to honor those uh, African-Americans in our community and to tell their stories, because that's, that's what I say history is all about. It's about telling a story. Doug, thank you so much for joining me today. We've come to the end of our time. But for those that want to learn more about the Greater Harrington Historical Society, as Doug mentioned, their website is www.ghhsociety.org, and you can find them on Facebook as well. Delaware State of the Arts is a weekly podcast that presents interviews with arts organizations and leaders who contribute to the cultural vibrancy of communities throughout Delaware. Delaware State of the Arts is provided as a service of the Delaware Division of the Arts in partnership with News Radio 1450 WILM and 1410 WDOV. To find out more about the division, visit arts.delaware.gov.